from the heart of Los Angeles. This is the online edition of the Life Changes Show. Look at the bright lights. Look at the bright lights. With tonight's guest, Director of Research at the HeartMath Institute, Dr. Roland McCready. And performance guest, Bruce Pryor. I am Mark Lejeur, and now our host, the MC, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. Heart coherence. We're going to be talking about heart, brain, and coherence. Heart coherence and heart brain coherence. So I, I went to the heartmath.org website. We'll learn more about that in, in a little bit. Heart coherence, they say, is a state of cooperative alignment between the heart, mind, emotions, and physical systems. This expands into personal, social, and global coherence. They go on to say that because our personal coherence is communicated through our energetic field, it has an uplifting impact on others. And I was thinking about, so when I feel good, I interpreted that statement and it, that it helps other people feel good. And I, I had this thought and, and the thought was this, what about when I feel good, not just about myself, but when I feel good about somebody else or I'm happy for somebody else. And then I went down this 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 rabbit hole because I actually was like, oh, wait a minute. I, I, I We don't talk a lot about being happy for somebody else. And so we, we talk, so this, this, this may apply. And so I went down that rabbit hole and, and I actually did the, the, the Google searches and, and the, and, and I, wasn't finding a lot, a lot of articles. They, they kept kind of pointing back. If you feel good about others, you feel good about yourself, or you could feel good about yourself if you feel good about others. Uh, but I did find a couple things and interesting. I found somebody that was looking for a word. What's a good word for that? And, uh, somebody found a, a Buddhist word, I guess it's mudita. And from what I understand, the different, uh, descriptions I've found of the word is a joy at the success and good fortune of others, mudita. And I like that. And so I want to give an example of something that just, just happened. I ran into a woman just a week or so ago who I hadn't seen in a long time. She is a mother. She is a grandmother. And the last time I saw her, maybe about two and a half, three years ago, she had a baby in her arms. And she told me that baby was her son's baby, that the mother didn't want to keep the baby and they split up. And so she decided to raise the baby for her son as her grandson. And this time when I saw her, the baby was grown up, running around, a little child, happy, jumping. And I... I said, uh, your grandson seems really happy. And she said, you know, he's not my grandson. I said, oh, I, I, I must have misunderstood. I'm sorry. She said, no, it's what I told you because it's what I thought. But we found out that it's actually not my son's son. I said, oh. And she said, but I'm going to adopt him. My husband and I are going to adopt him. And my heart just melted. And I said, 
really? She said, I love him. We love him. And it's not the child's fault. I felt so happy for the child. And I was so grateful to them. I hugged her right there in the middle of the street. Mudita. You know that's tattooed on my right forearm. I do not. Well, you know now. You serious? Yeah. Whoa. So, uh, yeah, it's a Sanskrit word originally. Um, but uh, it's very much what Life Changes Network is about and why I'm so excited that tonight has unfolded the way it has. I'm a big fan of, of Dr. McCready and, and have been since I got to know HeartMath and got to know it through our performance guest and his background. And so the overlap of having both of them from past and present and yet the overlap, kind of like the Vesica Pisces, of, uh, <laughs> uh, of their creative capacities and, and the pioneering efforts that they've both led. Uh, it's an exciting show tonight. Exciting indeed. So yes, exactly. Both our interview guests and our performance guests have roots in uh, heart math. Our interview guest is scientist, psychopsychologist, executive vice president, and director of research at HeartMath Institute. He is Dr. Roland McCready. Welcome, Dr. McCready, to the Life Changes Show. Welcome uh, back to you. It's great to be here. And um, I'm so glad I could uh, show up last minute uh, to do the show with you guys. You know, uh, it, it, is, it is special the way this actually came to be, and it feels like it, it, it was meant to be. And uh, the more we delved into the conversations between you and, and between uh, uh, me and, and Bruce Cryer, who we'll bring on a little later, uh, the, the importance of what we're going to talk about is is greater than we can even imagine and it has far-reaching implications personally societally etc cetera, etc cetera. and ironically i learned this new word psychophysiologist i think i said it wrong actually psychophysiologist and i thought that's it that's everything please talk to us about that word that study well okay uh it, it's pretty simple at the end of the day uh, Filippo, psych psychophysiology means well psych psychology. You know what we feel, how we think, how we behave, and so on. You know the, the what we tend to think of as our subjective inner world, and physiology, and how the interface between the two. So it would it includes the study of of how our emotions when we get angry or we fall in love. How how does that affect our body, our physiology? And there's profound inner inner relationships between that. But also then on the other hand, the flip side of that, well, what's going on in our physiology, if, if the inner workings of our body within our nervous, nervous system and hormonal system are kind of out of whack and out of sync, well, that also affects the way we feel and our emotions and our behaviors. So it, that's really what it's the study of the, the marriage of those two worlds. And what comes first? In most cases, um, I would say the psycho side, but it can also be the physiology side. You know, if we're if we're drained and not feeling well and exhausted, for example, that can certainly have an effect on on our emotions and behaviors. But uh, for most, you know, healthy people walking around, um, you know, one of the ways I like to say this is that it's really our emotions that run the show. Uh, wow. Certainly, that's true in terms of what's going on in the activity in our hormonal system, our brain, our nervous system, and so on. It's um, 
you know, because we hear a lot about positive thinking and, and so on. And, and this is so easy to prove here in the lab. If we have you hooked up to all the different equipment we have and we're measuring hormonal flows and blood pressure and neural activity and so on. And you know, we can have you thinking or doing serial subtractions. You know, it's kind of a standard thing that you do in the lab and, and so on. And yeah, you can measure some changes, but not that much. But as soon as you feel something, you know, you get embarrassed because you're not you're making mistakes on the subtractions or you get frustrated with it or you, you evoke a feeling of appreciation or compassion, man, big changes happen in, in our physiology. So it's a very easy way to show that, uh, that it's really our emotions that uh, are running the show, if you will. So in a sense, it's, it's not what we're thinking, but what we're feeling. Exactly. Now, it's not to say that what we are thinking isn't important, because that can certainly spin up emotions to support them. But it, it's the emotional side of that that's uh, the big deal. Okay, so we have a couple big deals going on in our body. And two of the biggest, I would think, are the brain and the heart. And for the longest time, we saw the brain as the, 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 the big chief of all. Mm -hmm. uh, is the heart really the chief of all? Well, you know, it's really, a, I think, a better way to think of it is that it's a system. You know, in fact, you know, in the early days of psychology, you know, back in the late 1800s and pretty famous guys considered the father of psychology, William James was his name. He got this, that it was really more about that the brain was really interpreting the signals from the body. And this was the basis of, of psych, psychology and, and practices until the 1930s. And then it's when it became all about the brain. And that's when the first hormones were being discovered and so on. And then that pendulum swing back starting in the 1970s when a particular research group, and, and just give context, at that time, you know, there was this idea that nobody believes anymore that if you could give the, the head, you know, blood flow and oxygen and all that, that the body was there to carry the brain around and didn't really need it for, you know, other than that. And, but they started finding that the heart in particular acted as though it had a mind of its own. The brain would be telling it to do one thing, but it would do something else entirely and vice versa. And uh, so they, you know, chasing that rabbit down the hole uh, unfolded a whole new world. Um, and they won all kinds of awards. And, you know, of course, it wasn't popular when they first came out with that. You know, you're going against the paradigm of the day. So... I, you wrote a paper, right? Uh, many, but but one in particular. I didn't get the title. Is it "The Heart Is More Than a Pump"? Something like that. Um, actually, a friend of mine wrote a, a, a paper with that title. And you know, to give context to that, and, and the people who are listening, and what I'm about to say may sound like some revolutionary new discovery, but it's actually not. It's actually been known since uh, the early days of anatomy, late 1880s, and so on. And that is that the heart sends far more information to the brain through the nervous system than the brain sends to the heart. And those messages the heart sends to the brain have profound influences on cognitive function, how we feel. Uh, it, it's why we say, you know, hopefully nobody out there said to their spouse, I love you with all my brain, right? So yeah. we intrinsically know that there's something about the heart that is more than just a blood pump. And so that this that line of research I was just referring to really kind of has really proven that to be true. And it's taken a lot of years and a lot of labs to work out all the mechanisms, but it's pretty well understood now. 
So it's the better way to think of it um, is that it's a system that are heart and brain are always talking to each other in a very dynamic relationship. And oftentimes the heart actually knows what the brain is going to have to do next and send signals that prepare it to be able to perform optimally for its next function. Hmm. So technically then if the brain and is communicating with the heart and the heart is communicating with the brain, isn't that coherence? No. Well, let's start with the fact that that's always going on. Um, always going on this dynamic two-way communication. Now when they're, I can say it that let me start this, this, this way invite you and maybe all the listeners to think about in the last few days, last week, if there's been a time or a situation where maybe you were asked to do something or, you know, you want, you had an ambition, you were going to do something, buy something, you know, whatever it was. And then you had a deeper inner feeling that maybe that's not the best choice. Shouldn't really do that. Right. So that in a way, that's kind of at a high level what I'm talking about, that lack of synchronization or alignment. Now, I think if most of us are honest and we think back, we've all had this situation. And when mm-hmm. we chose not to follow that deeper intuitive guidance, that deeper inner feeling, and went with, you know, whatever the, let's say, the brain wanted, um, usually we, we regret not having followed that inner signal. Can you relate, relate to what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's on a the deeper level of what we're really talking about but even just physiologically this is also true because the the heart also well two let me say it this way two terms were back introduced into the scientific literature back in the the 70s when this paradigm started to shift and those are called cortical in other words the cortex the higher part of the brain that we get paid to go to work for cortical inhibition that part's inhibited we don't think clearly right? Reaction times are impaired and so on. And then the other term was called cortical facilitation. And these were terms that were introduced to the scientific literature to describe the effect that the the activity of the heart was having on brain function. So they're always talking so they can be out of a line and out of sync, neurologically speaking, and also uh, at our higher consciousness level, or they can be in sync. And that's what we mean by a coherent uh, or heart-brain alignment. And there's a way to get those two to align. And this is the basis of so much of the work that you all do and the products that you offer, right, at HeartMath. Uh, correct. Now, the way that this is, re- this is, can be measured. This is not some esoteric thing. In fact, there's really simple devices and even a new app that uh, just was just launched by, by HeartMath that allows us to see how coherent we are in real time. Now, this is based on our heart rhythm because the, the activity, neurologically speaking, between the heart and brain affects the way the heart beats, the, the heart rhythm. And if it, when we're out of sync, it literally, I'm talking the neural activity in our brain and nervous system is not synchronized, which is the state of cortical inhibition. You can see that in a very chaotic looking heart rhythm. On the other hand, when we're in what we call a coherent state, the heart rhythm looks like these beautiful, smooth, rolling hills. And that is um, is showing, when we do other types of measurements, that the activity in our nervous system and our brain is more synchronized. And that's what really underlies optimal performance and function. How we clear the mental fog, how we make better decisions, how we access our deeper intuition, uh, and so on. 
your uh, website at heartmath.org goes on to say the implications of all of this affects everything and then affects the community and affects the world. Uh, how, is that, how, how do, how do you say that? Like, <laughs> well, okay. Just on the individual level, as we align and get our, get in sync, the heart and brain in sync, that elevates our consciousness, the choices we're starting to make, the behaviors that we do. We become kinder, uh, extend compassionate latitude to others. Doesn't mean we have to condone their behavior, these types of things, which has profound effects on our own health and wellness. Now to take that to, uh, so there's a lot of social implications just right there, uh, Filippo. Yeah. But here's part two of that. When we put electrodes on the body to measure the electrocardiogram, you know, but done by millions of times every day by doctors all around the world, what you're measuring is current flow. Whenever there's current flow, this is science 101, you also create a magnetic field. Mm. Now, the electrodes don't see that. You need a different instrument, and that's called a magnetometer. And by, by the way, I, my first profession was a communication engineer. So I used to work for Motorola. So something I know a little bit about how we nice. use electromagnetic fields to carry information. So one of the qualities of magnetic fields is they go through things. In fact, this is why cell phones work indoors. It's the magnetic component that goes through the walls, right? And the windows. Oh. So it's the same thing in us. In fact, technology mirrors physiology. You know, our bodies and nature invented it long before we did. So the fields, the magnetic field produced by the heart is easily goes through the skin and radiated into the, the space around us. Now, how do I know that? I can measure it. I can stick a probe out here. So I'm not talking about an aura or something that I don't can't measure. You can put a, the magnetometer a number of feet away from the body and measure the heart's field. Now, you just to give reference, you can measure the field produced by the brain. It also creates a magnetic field that radiates external from to the head. You can measure it about an inch away with the same same type magnetometer, feet versus an inch. So the heart's clearly the big player. Now, I call it energetic, but it's really magnetic. And then we were able to, God, this is going back to the 1990s, using the same techniques I used at Motorola to decode or demodulate, the more technical term, the information being carried by the field. And in, today, we can just stick a probe out here in space, measure the heart's field look at the information patterns being carried by it and tell with about 75% accuracy what somebody's emotional state is. Wow. Wow. Then, right? So the next question was, okay, that's cool. Well, so what? <laughs> Are our nervous systems also like big antennas? Are we receiving those signals? Mm -hmm. And do they have measurable effects on others? And the answer is yes. And this is all published in scientific journals. Um, and talked a lot about these days. If we get referenced a lot for this, so when we're in a coherent heart rhythm state, we are measurably creating a more coherent field environment, which can have a lifting effect on others. Help them calm down. Help them find their center. Lift them into a higher state. Mm. And the other way around. And the other way around. Exactly. 
when this is fascinating and and uh, even more fascinating that you're talking about now being quoted or recently from studies that have been done 30 40 years ago at this point some of these uh so that's exciting and yet at the same time it sounds like we've got some catching up to do when we come back i'd i'd like to uh, have you share with us about intuitive guidance and how that relates and then uh, potentially we'll talk a little bit more about Heart Math Intelligence, the book you co-authored. So we are having this great conversation uh, that is blowing our, our minds and our hearts. Well, not blowing, filling or cohering. Uh, see, I don't even have the words. But uh, our, our guest is uh, sharing with us, uh, Dr. Roland McCready, this important information, and we're going to keep it going. We're going to have our Ask Dorothy segment uh, soon after this interview. And then we are going to be joined by Bruce Cryer, again, whose roots are in our heart math and so many other things he's joining us as a performance guest this time all on the life changes show online edition right after this want to connect with amazing people who are committed to making a difference from the heart tribe is a platform community and movement with the purpose of bringing like-minded humans together to help animals and the environment in order to gain a stronger connection and understanding of the world around us they're dedicated to effectuating positive change by empowering individuals to organize meaningful and engaging experiences that build compassion for animals and the natural environment. Their founders and members' passion is to inspire others to actively get involved in their homes, their communities, and the world to raise awareness about the issues we face and most of all to be part of the solution. Through their efforts, they have also accomplished some amazing and tangible achievements. Their pickup for Paradise Beach cleanups have collected over 50,000 pieces of foreign debris. And also, thanks to animal rescue and recovery volunteers, over 30% of the volunteers have become vegan or reduced their meat intake. Daily habits make a big difference. Please join any of their upcoming events by going to FTHT.org and signing up for their newsletter. You can also follow on Instagram and Facebook at From the Heart Tribe. Have you felt inspired to meditate but you just can't? Do you suffer from anxiety but fidget toys just make you more fidgety? Want to replace negative self-talk in your head that keeps bringing you down? Introducing the latest self-help solution, Phi Beads. Transformational beaded jewelry inspired by ancient wisdom, science, math, and psychology. All Phi Beads are designed to incorporate the powerful Fibonacci sequence, nature's mathematical formula that has shaped our existence from the beginning of time. The Fibonacci sequence, also known as the golden mean or the golden ratio, is recognized by our conscious and unconscious mind and resonates as order out of chaos like you see in plants, flowers, seashells, ocean waves, the pyramids, and in our own body. Not only beautiful, they feel good to wear. Phi beads can help anchor tranquility, positivity, focus, and structure in your life by doing the Phi meditation. Phi meditation helps you harness the power of I am for intention, affirmation, and manifestation. Affirm the life you want. Get your set of Phi Beads at PhiBeads.com. That's Phi, P-H-I, Beads.com. You are listening to a conversation that matters on The Life Changes Show. Broadcasting live from the heart of Los Angeles every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Share the journey with us at LifeChangesShow.com. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Life Changes Show. 
Life changes indeed. We're having this conversation here with scientists, a psychophysiologist, executive vice president and director of research at Heart Math Institute, Dr. Roland McCready. And uh, Dr. Roland, I, 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 I Dr. McCready, uh, either one. Uh, I was getting the sense that when, when the heart and the brain are not in sync, then you, you said something about the part of the brain that we get paid for when we go to work. But there are times when we use that intuitive thing and that ends up serving us at work too, right? Absolutely. And this actually is the most exciting thing for me to talk about because it's really taken us into what our research is really showing, uh, Felipe. One of the... Um, that's right. I just said your name wrong, but one of the, okay. the one of the things we hear the most from people who have gone through our one of our training programs or starting to practice the heart coherence tools and techniques, and this has been from hundreds and hundreds of people over the years, and we still hear it, is that their intuition is like on steroids. It is noticeable, and then the second thing, usually they most times they say, in synchronicities are now have become a way of life. So. And I certainly experienced that in my in my own life as well. And uh, I think Bruce would probably say the same thing. But so we were able to figure out, decided we need to do some research around this. And I published this uh, called, the, the title of the studies were The Electrophysiology of Intuition. So this is a very rigorous, I'm not going to go in just for time to all the, the, the gory details, but a very rigorous study where we're looking at people's brain waves their electrocardiogram, their skin conductance, and other types of physiological measures. And we've developed several protocols over the years for looking at this. But let me give you the, the end result rather than going through all the detail. What the, this research has showed, which has been replicated, by the way, which is a hallmark in scientists by other labs, is that the heart gets the information first, sends a measurably different signal, neurolot through the nervous system to the brain, then you get a brain response, then you get a body response all before the future event, the way these experiments are set up occurs. We call this the pre-stimulus period. So the real deeper intuition, uh, by the way, the way I got this published, this was back, the first studies back in the late nineties was to say that the heart has access to a field of information outside the, the limits and boundaries of time and space. Before you go forward, sorry for interrupting, but yeah. I, I, is this for Anything that we think or or that comes to the brain, it has gone through the heart first. Are you saying this no, is the no. way it goes? No, no, not anything. It's so much of that's the problem is so much of uh, we don't integrate these deeper messages from the heart with the brain. Oh. So much of what you know, humanity. If we would not have the world we do today if it was oh. that way, right? Um, so it's the lack of integrating that intuitive information, that deeper sense that, that connects us to who we really are is what mm. I'm really saying here mm. at, at a deeper energetic level. Um, so I, I'm, what this is suggesting is that, you know, it's been called the spiritual heart. We call it the energetic heart. It, it's been around for millennia and it's the, the um, it's not a new idea. We're just actually putting the science to it to show that this is real. So that our real, the intuition that counts and by the way, I've identified three different types of intuition. So I'm what we're talking about now is the the big big game intuition. It's really accessing that deeper part of who we really are. That people you can call it your higher self, or your soul, your spirit. I, I just we just here at HeartMath call it your larger self to take it out of religious or those kind of connotations. 
because uh, we're saying this is real and it's the way we're wired. Uh, do we really do have an energetic part of ourselves that operates in a different vibration, if you will, a different level of density and intelligence? And it's the heart that that is the bridge to that part of ourselves. Wow. Uh, what other kind of intuition is there? Well, the three types, uh, I, I, is, um, one of the second type I call energetic sensitivity, and that's our, our nervous system's ability to detect and respond to real signals from the environment, uh, like empathy is in that category, or if you've ever felt like somebody was staring at you, mm. you know, and you turn around and sure enough, in fact, there's been a couple of studies on that, uh, or the type of intuition that I was talking about connecting to our, our deeper, well, I'm sorry, um, People who feel earthquakes coming, we now know we can measure changes to our global network of magnetometers, changes in the Earth's magnetic field before earthquakes, um, those types of things. Uh, mom who knows their kids are in harm's way on the other side of the planet, that's mediated through the Earth's field, I, I believe. Um, some research on that. First type I call implicit learning or implicit knowledge. And this is the type of intuition that most books and research studies are around because it's safe to study in academia, because it's all about the brain, you know, things that we've learned and forgot we learned. That's why it's called implicit, the kind of memories that we don't have access, conscious access to. And the brain's got what's called the fast track, which is doing pattern matching to those implicit stored patterns. And that's like the aha. And then the third type I call a non-local intuition, which is uh, what I was talking about before. Thank you for putting the science to all of this. And uh, sad to say that a lot of us have needed the science when you said this is nothing new, but you're just putting the science to it. So in other words, if it, if it was always there and always right, then those who were able to connect in that way with, before the science came, uh, good for them. Yeah. You know, the, the, the thing I hear most when I do talks like this one into the public is thank you for scientifically con confirming what I already knew or believed to be true. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, nice. Now, uh, a, a lot of, so you, you have tools and you've put a lot of this information in a book. There are several books I know, but when you've co-authored uh, Heart Math Intelligence, uh, yeah, heart, tell heart us about. Intelligence. Heart Intelligence. Oh, Heart Intelligence. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So, Please so tell that's us. A, a book that's uh, it's in its second edition now that was authored by myself. I did the, the chapters on the science. Doc Childry, the founder of HeartMath, and his chapters are absolutely the, the key to the book from my perspective. Uh, Deborah Rosman and Howard Martin. Um, so we are the four co-authors of, of that book. And anybody who's really wanting to learn about you know some of the practical, how do you really do the stuff I'm talking about? That would be my recommendation uh, to, to get the book. And, you know, there's also an app called the HeartMath app that was just released that allows you to actually measure your, your heart rate variability in real time, measure how coherent you are. And it's chuck full of the how-to as well. A lot of guides and, and there's just really neat stuff in the app. So it's really blended the two worlds together, this new app, the, the content and the know-how uh, and the how-to along with the, the technology that allows you to measure uh, your, your own physiology while you're practicing these techniques. So you can see how they shift you into a more coherent state. So we can learn at heartmath.org. We can get products at heartmath.com, books and apps and sensors. Uh, for, for 
your work is so important and you've shared in so many ways the the importance of it globally and of course locally and personally for is there any other thing you could say to why i have to get this now <laughs> well for most people, it's for your own health or wellness or performance, and that's perfectly fine. For a lot of people who are, I think, going the next step in, in their the evolution of their of our own consciousness is the impact of what it has on the, the larger world. You know, I, I talked earlier before the break about how we are literally radiating field. So what we feel inside doesn't stop at the skin. We are literally broadcasting those patterns into the environment that are affected by others. And that's certainly true. Uh, we published that in a number of journals and studies and also being replicated. But I want to take it one step farther, uh, which you asked me about earlier, which is globally. And we don't have time for me to get into all the details. We'd have to do a whole show on this sometime. Maybe, maybe we could do that. But nice. at the global level, we all live within the magnetic fields of the earth. So we all know that the Earth has a magnetic field, right? The North Pole and the South Pole, the thing that our compasses tune into. And if you remember back in science class, for whatever grade that was, when we get, did the experiment that you dump iron filings on a glass plate and you stick a magnet under it and they all kind of magically jump around and show you the shape of the field, mm -hmm. whether it's whatever the kind of magnet you have. But recall that those magnetic, uh, those particles, those iron filings, they line up in parallel lines. And that's also in that really simple little experiment, letting us visualize what are called magnetic field lines. They're real things. Now, here's the thing that I didn't learn until much later in my own career, even as a, as a uh, communication engineer for Motorola. You can pluck a magnetic field line and it vibrates just like a string on a guitar. And they vibrate. And these are actually called field line resonances. There's a technical term for them. I've been known for a long time. Now, when we look at the scale of Earth, which have very long magnetic field lines, so just like at a guitar string or any stringed instrument, the length of the string and how ten the tension on it determines its resonant frequency, the note, right, that it vibrates at. You know, we could use a musical scale if we wanted to. So the Earth's field lines are very long, so they vibrate at a low frequency. Well, as it turns out, the primary resonant frequency of the field lines of Earth vibrating are exactly the same as the human heart rhythm when we're in a coherent state. Mm. Let that sink in a little bit. Mm. Now, I, I almost don't want it to sink in because I'm thinking, well, what if I've lived my whole life not in a coherent state? Well, this is why we say, you know, as part of the, what we call the Global um, Coherence Initiative, which is one of our initiatives we started to, to look at the global scale of this, We one of the sayings that's emerged is, become aware of what we're feeding the field. It really mm. matters because mm. uh, it really does. And we published quite a few papers in recent years on, on this side of things on the global scale. And, you know, just through, we have the basic physics already, you know, through resonance principles, which I'm sure you're, you guys are aware of. Two, two systems that vibrate or oscillate at the same frequency, you can easily transfer energy and information between them. Mm. So not only are we radiating into the local you know, field environment in the living room or the meeting room, whatever. We're also coupling to the larger field of the earth. So we're all contributing, all of us individually, to the larger global field. 
So it's really my call to action for anyone listening is to pause throughout today and just ask yourself, what am I feeding the field? Mm. Am I feeding it feelings, you know, and thoughts of frustration or impatience, you know, in extreme cases, maybe hatred. That's really a, a horrible thing to be feeding the field. Or am I feeding it kindness, compassion, gratitude, right? Because it, it really does matter. So I'm connecting what you're saying with the other side is, is what am I resonating with on a particular moment in a particular day? Am I listening to music that upsets me or someone that upsets me or news that upsets me? Exactly. And, and do I live in that as a long time? Exactly. Exactly. And what am I putting out along with it? So, Wow. Wow. It, 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 as, as Mark was saying when we were talking prior to this show, we cannot have this conversation enough. Like we have to keep having this conversation. So uh, I really like how you shared so much of what you shared, Dr. McCready. And uh, I, I look forward to next level conversations. And also when the audience uh, will be ready, myself included, for next level. And the more... We learn from people like you, scientists like you, and, and researchers like you, the, the more we can move forward. So there are books, there are apps, there are sensors, there, there, there are all kinds of information, video courses. Uh, go to heartmath.org, as in heart, M-A-T-H, heartmath, and then heartmath.com, and learn all you can. Uh, uh, Dr. Roland McCready, Thank you so much. Been my honor. And uh, hopefully I can come back on sometime and we can uh, take a deep dive into the global side of things. Yes. And you helped us resonate on a great level throughout this whole conversation. So thank you. Awesome. And right, with that, and with that, we have our Ask Dorothy segment. Dear Dorothy, this is Caroline in New Jersey. And I remember you telling me that you pray every day and that God answers your prayers. Well, I pray every day, and yet I do not feel I am being heard, so please share your secret for getting your prayers answered. Dear Carolyn, thank you for this excellent question. For many years, I prayed as I had been taught to by my grandmother and believed, like you believe, that my prayers weren't heard. I was praying from the place of being a victim, and I don't do that anymore. I'm so grateful that I finally stumbled upon an amazing book by Pat Hastings titled simply A Woman of Faith. Pat's book provided wonderful inspiration and an easy list of 10 things to make our prayers more powerful and heard. I highly recommend that you read her book as there is so much there that I feel will serve you. And now I will share Pat's list with you. Number one, be specific. Be clear about what you want. God may be waiting for you to ask for what you want. Two, expect an answer. God's answers, he answers all prayers. It's easier to hear and see God's answers when you're expecting and trusting that you will hear from him. Learn to go within for guidance and answers. And listen carefully. Number three, God may answer you in a piece of music, a song, a book, another person. So please pay attention. 
or you may be missing God's answered prayer. Number four, believe. You must see your prayer answered on the inside before it manifests on the outside. Change your thinking and your life will change. Practice affirmations on a daily basis. Five, be patient. God's timing is perfect. You must learn to wait for his perfect plan for your life. Trust that the answers will come. Six, stay grateful. Gratitude is the key to make things manifest quickly. Don't focus on what's missing, but focus on what you already have. Seven, have faith. Your prayers are being answered. Faith is believing when you cannot see. Be open and receptive. Eight, forgive. Do a daily inventory. Let go of resentments and judgments. Holding on to resentments blocks the energy flow and prevents or slows your ability to manifest your desires. Nine, show up. Pray, meditate, and visualize daily. When you show up, God shows up, and the house shows up in the perfect time and perfect way. Pay attention to your dreams. Journaling is a form of prayer. Ten, internal house cleaning. Be honest with yourself and ask yourself what old thoughts and beliefs are blocking communication with God. Fasting or cleansing your diet will help you detoxify your mind, body, and spirit. So, Carolyn, please let me know how much easier your praying becomes utilizing Pat's suggestions and share her information with the ones you love. Thank you, Dorothy. And if you have a question for Dorothy, please write her at AskDorothy at LifeChangesShow.com. And we'll be right back with our performance guest and so much more, Bruce Cryer here on the Life Changes Show Online Edition right after this. The Little Dog That Could is the fantastically true story of a man and a little dog that came into his life as his mentor to help him understand the world beyond his human senses and to experience life, love, and healing beyond his human understanding. Best-selling author, Filippo Voltaggio, who currently hosts the highly regarded Life Changes show, is an internationally known singer, speaker, and life coach. Filippo offers up his own story, how one little surprise package in fur and four legs transformed his life unexpectedly forever and furthered his path of self-discovery. In The Little Dog That Could, Filippo brings to life the meaning of the adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Through the reading of this book, you will experience the journey of real miracles that transcend time, space, and logic while gaining practical tools that will help you navigate your way. The Little Dog That Could is available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For more information, visit thelittledogthatcould.com. That's thelittledogthatcould.com. There are self-help seminars costing thousands of dollars guaranteeing miraculous transformations. There are compelling speakers and life-changing weekend experiences where you can walk on fire. They all deliver revelations that guarantee you'll come back for the more expensive revelations filled with even greater wonder next month on Fiji. We get addicted to positive, heartfelt, expensive theater. What we really need is a jumpstart, an awakening, someone who can give us a reminder that everything we need lies within. Through inspiration and practical knowledge, Dorothy Donahue helps people get grounded and motivated, inspired and energized. It's not just words and affirmations and the power of intention. 
It's a mindset brought about by a tangible, transcendental experience, an audiovisual, physical, spiritual experience that helps us realize we transform ourselves. We get tools to become the conscious co-creators of lives of unlimited potential. Find out more. Go to DorothyDonahue.com. You are listening to A Conversation That Matters on The Life Changes Show. Broadcasting live from the heart of Los Angeles every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Share the journey with us at lifechangesshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Life Changes Show. We're back, and I'm excited that our performance guest, we're titled The Music of Adjunct Faculty of Stanford University and former CEO and co-creator of HeartMath, an author, a speaker, a keynote performer, a health optimization expert, and so much more, Bruce Cryer. Welcome, Bruce, again to the Life Changes Show. <laughs> Thank you, Filippo. What a, what a delight to be here. It, last time we got to pick your mind about change, which is near and dear to our hearts. And uh, you were our interview guest, and we talked about six ways to make change your friend. You have been changing so much, uh, and now music. Is that part of your purpose in life? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I've I've actually been deeply involved in music since I was eight and uh, decided I wanted to play trumpet in the little elementary school band. <laughs> and uh, I was reasonably good and, and made it into junior high and high school and eventually was part of the New Jersey Junior Symphony Orchestra. But I, I knew I was never going to do it professionally. It wasn't that sort of thing. But when I was a senior in high school, uh, the, the band leader, the, vo uh, the vocal music teacher, thought I might have a skill in singing. And sure enough, I did. And literally two years later, I was, I had the lead role in the longest running musical in New York and, and music had become a huge part of my life. I went to the Oberlin Conservatory to study all forms of music and dance and acting. And, uh, and it remains a huge part of my life. So I had a, a period of, of some years where I wasn't focused on it. Everything else, especially heart math, uh, took most of my focus. But uh, in the last dozen years, it's reemerged as super important again, as it always was, but I went to sleep a bit for a while. And dance too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I started dancing really in, uh, in high school a little bit and then college and was in professional companies and danced in shows in New York a bit here and there. And, and, uh, I, but I put that on the shelf too, not realizing I was doing that. And then I had this series of experiences over many years where my hips started to fail and I knew I was facing some surgery eventually. And finally I had to have both replaced and that was in 2011. And within six months, I found myself doing something called five rhythms, which is this marvelous improv dance form, not imagining I would ever dance again, getting the hips replaced, not believing I could ever dance, but sure enough, there I was on the dance floor very tentatively trying to dance and realizing my body wants to dance. If I can get myself back in shape again, I can dance. And I did. And I am no. and I'm so, so glad. I mean, I've had many a sobbing experience on a dance floor just because of the fact that I'm dancing again and thought that that, that skill was, was lost for me forever. 
Wow. Actually, we were going to talk about this a little later, just at least in passing, even though this could be a conversation all on its own and extremely important that you've come upon, and I imagine this is part of it, uh, like an anti-aging or a reverse aging experience. <laughs> well, yes. And, you know, so the short version of the story, I was diagnosed with uh, bladder cancer in late 2009, needed to have surgery. Uh, needed to go into immunotherapy treatments to make sure the tumor didn't come back. They got the whole thing out, which was great. But then that had some complications. I started getting staph infections. The staph got into my blood. That's now an, another life-threatening condition. So it was, a, it was a rather hairy several months there. Uh, obviously got through it all. I'm coming up on 14 years cancer-free, 13 years with no staph infections. Uh, my, my hips still were an issue, which is why I had to have those replaced in 2011. And so I was kind of getting rebuilt <laughs> and, uh, but it was spiritually and emotionally, like really a challenging time. My mother also passed away during this time. My marriage was ending. So, uh, and I was realizing that there was another phase of my life I needed to kind of grow into, which meant, um, diminishing my role significantly at heart math. And, um, so, with this process of kind of letting go of a lot of things and letting go of expectations and identities. I, I loved being CEO of HeartMath. I loved the travel. I loved doing presentations with Roland. He's fantastic, isn't he? Mm, and back in yes. the early days, we, we did hundreds of presentations together. And I loved all that. And I gave it all up because I realized there was another part of me still kind of needing to emerge and wanting to emerge. And, um, and that process of kind of just surrendering to a, a life that was unfolding inside me, a kind of a rebirth, I, I kept being told, you're like a renaissance man. You've, you've come back from pretty serious health issues and you're doing all these artistic things again. You're singing again, you're dancing again, you're a really mm. good photographer. And I, I kept getting these little hints that you got, you're kind of going through a renaissance, dude. And uh, little by little, I, I you know, kind of fully accepted it. But I, what I found in the process was that I was getting excited about learning again, excited about being a student. I'd been a teacher for a long time with heart math, teaching others and facilitating groups, et cetera. And I was loving just living and being playful and, and, and enjoying new things that I was doing left and right. And that started to make me feel like I'm feeling younger. I mean, obviously much younger than when I when I had cancer and staph infections and all that stuff. But when I found myself back to full health and feeling strong and healthy and like people couldn't believe when they saw me dancing, what, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no way you're a mm. cancer survivor, a staph infection survivor, and you had both hips replaced. There's just, mm. it's just not possible. And uh, little by little, I realized I was feeling younger. People were shocked of my, my chronological age. And, uh, and yeah, there was a pretty significant reversal of, of the aging process for me, or at least slowing it down dramatically. So part of that story, the, the, the hard parts, I, and I know it wasn't just in that period, but there, there have been hard parts and it reminded me of your song. How appropriate. The only way is through. Yeah. We're yeah. So I wrote this. that. Yeah. What do you want to say about it? I wrote this song as part of an album called Renaissance Human with these two brilliant singer-songwriters named Isaac and Torald Corin, the Corn mm -hmm. Brothers, Brothers Corn, you may know. Yep. And um, they've been on your show, haven't they? Haven't they? We, we, we were waiting to do would have them on live with you, actually, oh. at, at, in, in, a, in a studio. But So no, not yet. 
Okay, well, they're they're amazing. <laughs> so, in in the creating of that album with them, they were the the the, uh, the shepherds or the or the uh, the midwives, <laughs> mid husbands for me. Um, one of the songs that was very relevant for me at the time, based on a relationship I was struggling with, came out as this song called "The Only Way Is Through," and it's all about the challenges that we all face, whether we're in a one on one relationship or just struggling with some aspect of our career or our health or or whatever. And oftentimes we want to run, we want to hide, we want to deny. And the, the message of the song is, well, guess what? The only way is through. You got to mm. keep on going. Just keep on going. Mm. And so that's the theme. That's the theme of the song. Well, here is The Only Way is Through by Bruce Cryer, performed by Bruce Cryer, previously recorded and featuring the Brothers Corin on the Life Changes show here online. dark feels like a huge mountain love is gone and then there's nothing but doubting do you remember the time when our love is really fine when our words set us on fire do we lose all our power When fear has us run and hide Is it death to the flower? Oh, can we find that place again? Or will we wonder where it's gone? The only way is through I know it's true How about you? Pushing me away I keep coming closer Each kind of crazy thing I say Is making you colder But if we find the place again We will marvel at the dawn The only way is through you Yo. 
know it's true How about you? The only way is through I know it's true How about you? Sing it, Bruce. Sing it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. If, you. if you're resonating or if you're finding coherence with what you're hearing here that Bruce Cryer is offering, find him on social media at Bruce Cryer. We have all his links up on the website, uh, Life Changes Show. Look for Bruce Cryer. And you'll also find the other show there, uh, but Bruce, C-R-Y-E-R. You know, Bruce, it's... Um, odd to me in a way uh, to just be focusing on your music during this time when I know you've written such seminal pieces uh, and you've worked with such big corporations and things you've done things that that have made a difference in the world in in so many other ways Uh, and yet you're making me think um but we're not really also going to talk about his work as a father his work as a friend his work as all these other things there's so much it's all part of being human beautiful beautifully said well it's it's a treat for me when when i learned that i was going to be the performance guest uh tonight i thought yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm never, I'm never that. I mean, sometimes that's an add-on. I'm speaking at a conference in here in, in Orlando in November, and I'm gonna I am gonna perform, even though I'm mainly there to speak on heart coherence and creativity and whatnot. But I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a surprise musical guest. They won't know that it's me. But I'm gonna come out and be and be the performing artist. What I thought you were the heart coherence guy. So it, it's it's a delight to get to do it. So I, I'm very very grateful that this phase of my life kind of returned uh, about 11 years ago. And and thank you. And and what I like also about this is that so many times we pigeonhole ourselves, or we pigeonhole each other, uh, or or people, and and say, oh look, he's trying to do this, or oh look, he's he thinks he's a this, or uh, when when this is this is me, this is you, this is human, and and so thank you for exemplifying that. Thank you. And it's, it's, it's been fun over the years uh, since I started performing again, which was in 2012, because people, when people know me for heart math or for being at Stanford faculty for years or that kind of stuff, then they hear I'm a singer. They, their assumption is, well, you probably weren't very good or you would have kept doing it. Mm. And, and, and if it's in the opposite, they hear me as a performer and hear about my background and my career. And then they hear I went into business. The assumption a lot of people would be, well, you're probably not that good in business. <laughs> Or you would have started there, you know. So I have a low, uh, there's a low threshold of of expectation for people, and then they hear me, and it's like, 
wow, you got some pipes there, dude. Mm. You know, and there's meaning behind the music too. The, these guys, I have to give them so much praise, Isaac and Torold Corin, for their brilliant way they helped me create these songs. And uh, it was amazing, really remarkable process. That's a whole nother show too. <laughs> Indeed. Well, so I was, I was, you inspired me to say that actually when we were speaking earlier and again here, and yet at the same time, it is the song that we're about to play. Indeed. So, so yeah. tell us. So this, this song called Yeah, I'm Me is became sort of my signature song as the album was developing. And I started realizing, wow, this is so me. I mean, all the songs are me, but this especially, there's a, a part of me that's so alive in this song as I think you'll, you'll hear it's got a catchy thing, but it's really kind of a celebration of me embracing all those parts mm. instead of saying, well, you know, some people could say you're doing an album in your late sixties. Mm. Is, is that kind of like a delayed midlife crisis? Like what's the story with that dude? Mm. And I went through some of that you know, anxiety that people would judge me. Well, if they want to judge me, they can, but I'm still going to do what I think is of meaning to me. And I believe I can create meaning for others too. And everybody's not going to love it, but that's okay. So this song is a celebration of being all of us, all of who we are mm. and, and, and celebrating that and honoring each other for what's unique about each of us. Well, here it is. We're going to get to hear Bruce Cryer's pre-recorded song. Yeah. I'm me here on the Life Changes Show online. In my darkest place I grew fearful of the light It made my heart so small just like a face with no delight When we grow up scared Living like a refugee And I have lived that way And I won't ever go back to sea In my heart I know I'm the way that I'm designed to be And I will let you know the truth I see when I am me Now I live in light I look up to the sky to keep me bright And I know the way And I'm living here all day and night Yeah, me
Yeah. And I'm living here all day and night. Wow. Powerful. Bruce Cryer. Thank you so much. It, Bruce Cryer, C-R-Y-E-R. Find him on all the socials and his link tree and all that as Bruce Cryer. And we have links and music and a video up on our page for Bruce Cryer at lifechangeshow.com. Bruce, uh, why am I getting the feeling like potentially I, I've just heard two songs from an upcoming musical, The Renaissance of Bruce or something? <laughs> that's that's funny you'd say that I'm, I'm not working on such a thing although i love that idea having having been a musical theater kid well young man and loving that genre and loving the the live the liveness of it uh that's not a crazy thought at all actually I, i'm i'm definitely not done with music it's definitely a, a huge part of me that will emerge again in a significant way somehow somewhere well, and we're definitely not done with this conversation. I can't wait uh, to have more conversations with you here on the Life Changes Show. Bruce, thank you for all the ways you're showing up and, and sharing those ways uh, with us in the audience and, and those who are near you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Filippo. Really a pleasure to be back to, to you and your audience and to Mark Laser as well. Just love it. Love it all. Thank you so much. Uh, last time it was uh, in the studio and hopefully next time again look forward awesome. to next time as well bruce thanks for being here it's fantastic right. and so thank with you. with a big thank you again to you bruce crier and another big thank you to dr roland mccrady that is our show on behalf of our executive producer dorothy lee donahue and our executive producer and co-host mark lejure I am your host, Filippo Voltaggio, reminding you that as your life changes, like ours, surely change tonight. We're here for you. Ciao, everyone. You have been listening to The Life Changes Show on the BBS Radio Network. Listen live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific time and visit us online at lifechangesnetwork.com, on Facebook at The Life Changes Show, and on Twitter, at Life Changes Show. Join us again next week as we consciously explore and embrace the only constant, Life Changes. The Life Changes Network is an entertainment network. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Life Changes. <laughs>